0: Parshat Shoftim, tell you a quick story. So it was actually the same miluim I told you about before, reserve duty, and that was a really intense reserve duty, 24 days of non-stop, every day of different stories, shootings, bombings, it was, it was a horrible miluim, And uh, it was one of my first miluim. I think it was like the first or second, oh sorry, I'm wrong, that was my second. It was my first miluim in Aza. We were in the Gaza Strip, in a place called Jibalia, which is a really nasty little piece of territory. It's one of the most um, densely populated places in the world. Uh, a lot of the people there are not happy to be there, and that's a whole other discussion for a late-night Friday night. And um, there were a number of incidents that could have ended really badly, and thank God, we reached the last night of our reserve duty. The next day, we were basically handing it over to the next unit, and everybody was going home. And it looked like everybody was going to go home safe and sound. So. In the military unit, the last night, you kind of want to celebrate. So they always organized like a big party. Now, I had never been in the military. This was my first reserve duty, right? I was a young officer. You know, when you finish the regular army, you're like the king of the heap. It's like, kind of like being a freshie. When you were in eighth grade, you were like the god of the school. Now you go back to being next to nothing, right? So you're like the freshie in the unit, but you're an officer. They'd never had a religious officer in this unit before. Most of the guys were not religious, didn't wear kippot, et cetera. And, um, and they were very accommodating. In fact, they told me that they were gonna do this whole party in a mangal, and a barbecue. It was a big deal. Um, and they, you know, they, they found a place where they could get kosher meats. They showed me the hashgacha, they asked me if it was okay. They really wanted me to be able to eat. Connected with a lot of these guys, saved a couple of guys, whatever. Get the last night, it was amazing. And they have this meat, and it's all kosher. And they have a guy certifying it's kosher. And, and, and I showed them how to kosher the grill. And I'm feeling so. Look at that. Everybody's eating kosher meat because I'm in the army. This is it. the Jewish army this is what I'm doing here. What a mitzvah. It's all great. And then in the middle they said Yalla, Abini, and Kiddush. You know, because I used to make kiddush with them on Friday. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna make a kiddush on a, you know, on a, on a Monday night. But uh, they said Tavit, Tavit Like, bring us a T'vur Torah, something. You have to understand. These guys, like, I mean. What they were doing in reserve, that didn't fit with the Dvar Torah, So That kind of blew my mind. Just to give you one example, I walk into the dining room one day, and a fellow named Lipschitz is sitting in the dining room, and he's got this woman, and he's got his arm around her, he's talking, and I'm like, wow, it's so cool, like, I guess you brought your wife here, whatever, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes when I was in the army, a guy would bring his girlfriend whatever, so I said, oh, are you Mrs. Lipschitz, right? And they all the guys started laughing, and somebody said, this is the second Mrs. Lipschitz, and I'm like... Oh, like that's what they did. Some guys, they go to Milim. it's like real vacation. You know what I mean? Not my kind of vacation. So like it blew my mind that they wanted a Tavar Torah. But okay. So I came up with something and shared a thought, whatever. And just thanked them all and said how meaningful it was to me that we were all sharing this and we are all going home safe. And this is awesome. And then they, somebody brought out a bottle. They started making lachayim's. Very non-araita, but okay, right? I hope it's non-araita. And then this van pulls up and I don't know what's going on because this is my first him. I've never done reserve duty before. I don't know what's going on. So this van pulls up, right? The back door is open. Some guy starts to pull out a thing. He starts, I realize he's opening up a screen. He pulls out a projector, connects it to the battery or whatever he's doing. And I realize this is so cool. They put a movie. They can show a movie. Now today, you guys don't appreciate this. I'm like, yeah, which movie do you want to watch? I got 40,000, right? But in our day, you didn't have a movie. Like, you're in the middle of Aza. I thought it was so cool. They brought a movie to watch a movie. Then they turn on the movie, right? I'm like, this is great, you know, yeah, watch a movie. You sit back, watch a movie. Takes about 30 seconds. And I realize it's a testimony to the female anatomy. Um, It's Hilchas Kedushin on steroids. And, And I realized I can't watch this movie. Like this is really bad and I know what to do because they were all excited that I was with them, And so I got up and I made some excuse and I left. And I went back to you know my tent, and I'm sitting in my tent. I pulled out a Sefer because like, I was so shocked by what just happened. And it really saddened me. I like, think it's a Jewish army. That's not how I see a Jewish army, right? And, and it took me a number of years to realize that as much as I believe it's an incredible mitzvah to serve in the army, and everybody has to choose their path. It's not for me. You grew up in America. You don't, I don't think you should feel guilty. I think it's a good thing to struggle with. Um, some of you will not do the army, and I'm personally okay with that. It. It's your decision. But, um, but that was what I felt. And I still believe it's a mitzvah. But you start to realize it affects you. When, when I used to come back from reserve duty sometimes, I needed to take a pause. You know, you go from the base to a, a unit like that. You get used to things. You know, like the, the conversation sometimes at the dinner table is foul, filth, foul, foul, fill, oh, foul, filth, foul, 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 to you too, right? It's not really, you know, most of the jokes... You can't repeat in the base matters. And, and and then when you come home, how do you how do you let go of that? So put that in one corner of your mind. And I want to share with you an idea. Which I think is a valuable idea to think about as we start our year. Right? So the Pasuk says, Shoftim <speaking in Hebrew> lecha Right? Last week Parshat Ray, you know, was nochi <speaking in Hebrew> Shem puts before us a path of blessing, a path of curse. We get to choose who we want to be. And this week, Parsha Chovtim is how do you create a society that allows you to have that choice? How do you create healthy leadership, courts, system of laws, a police force, all this sorts of stuff? Right? Now, this is interesting. Right? There is actually a mitzvah to set up Bate Dini. You have to set up courts wherever you live. Okay? And it's interesting that um the rambam talks about this right the rambam in sefer Mitzvot. um sefer Mitzvot is the book of the rambam it's basically the list the rambam's list of 613 mitzvot uh, it's a valuable sefer to study to understand what he thinks and the rambam talks about this right um, um sorry, sorry right the rambam in Hilchot sanhedrin Right in Sefer, where would I find the laws of the Sanhedrin? Shana Beika, is anybody? Sefer Shoftim, good. Okay, the the fourteenth book of the Rambam, Hilchos Sanhedrin, and the Rambam says that the first mitzvah of the um twenty of the thirty different mitzvot that apply in the laws of Sanhedrin, we'll get into this when we start Rambam next week, is limnot shoftim. There is a mitzvah to appoint judges. Okay, if you start a new settlement, start a new town, you're living up in uh, I don't know Tizalwacha in the Galil. You have to have a bezdin. You have to have a court. You have to have a, a Mitzvah to a court. Here's an interesting question. What if you're overseas? What if you live in New Jersey? Is there a Mitzvah, okay, to have a court in New Jersey? Right? It's an interesting question. So, in fact, very interesting, right? The Rambam um, in Hilchah Sanhedrin says the following, okay? Right? You don't have to uh, 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 put up a, a court in every single county, right? And in every city except in Israel. Says the Rambam, the mitzvah to put a bezdin, every place is in Israel. But in the overseas, You don't have to put a bezdin in every Pelech. Pelech is like a, you know, like a little town. But, the Red Baz says, right, without getting into the whole, right, So he says, in Chutzlaritz, you really should put a Bezdin in every county, but you don't have to put it in each town. There's a difference between Israel and Chutzlaretz. But it's very clear and there's a big discussion as this Torah says in the Rabbanan that you have to have courts and chutzlars. In fact, this is actually very interesting. Um, not only do you have the mitzvah to to, to have a bezdin, to have a court of law overseas wherever you go, right? But there's a pasuk, Ve'ela mishpatim asher Tasim right? That's in Parashat Mishpatim, right? These are the laws you should put before them. And the Gemara says, Lifnahem below lifnay of You bring your court cases to Jewish judges, you're not supposed to take your court cases to a civil court. And Rashi, who notes this, right, and quotes this Gemara, Rashi says, right, Even if I know that the civil court is going to rule exactly like a Jewish court, right, It's a chalol to take your court to a non-Jewish court. This is actually an interesting idea. Halachically, in certain types of court cases You have to go to a Jewish court before a civil court You have to at least try halachically to go to a And that seems to be in Israel And in Okay Now by the way This leads us into another mitzvah Right What's the next mitzvah that this leads us into Right The mitzvah, anybody know? Anybody know which mitzvah comes last? next? The mitzvah of Ari Miklat Now what's an ir Miklat? Nir New Miklid is a city of refuge. Okay, we're gonna attack that assumption in a minute, but okay, city of refuge. Who needs refuge? Pardon? Somebody who accidentally kills someone, that's what everybody will say and everybody will be? Wrong. Because in fact, it's not only for accidental killers, but in some circumstances, it's also for a murderer. When does a murderer go to a an New anybody know? Like I come over to, uh, Remember your name, I apologize. Yoni Krantz. Okay, Yoni Granson. okay, I go to Yoni Granson. I just, you know, I, I'm annoyed with that. you know, stop combing your hair to the left, combing to the right. So I, you know, take a rock and I smash him One and he's, right, it's bad, right? And I say, oh, this is bad, right? And remind me your name? Jake, Jake Wayne Wainberg. And Jake is like really upset, he's his cousin. He says, that's it, he pulls up a rock, he runs after me, I run away to an early but I'm a murderer. Am I allowed to go to an early Why? Because I haven't gone to Besdin yet A killer who hasn't gone to the court The court is the one who decides If you're an accidental killer or not So a killer is allowed to run to a near Miklat And may even be obligated to run to a near Miklat But okay So it's a city of refuge Right? Shalosh cities Tabdillah is in Parshat Shoftim You're going to prepare three cities of refuge In the land of Israel Okay, how many Ari Miklat? How many cities of refuge were there? Anybody know? Six. Six. Everybody will say that, and then again, they will be wrong. wrong. How many cities of refuge were there? Anybody know? There were actually forty-eight, because there are forty-two cities of the Levim, and six Ari Miklat, six cities of refuge. And all the Ari Levine, this is in Parshat Masi and Bamibar, are actually also cities of refuge. Ask me an obvious question. What's the difference then between a city of Levites, where you could be a, 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 which is also considered an ir-Miklat, and the six Ari-Miklat, cities of refuge, that the Torah uh, denotes? So there are a number of differences. The Rambam talks about this. The Gemara in Mako talks about this. One good example is the difference between Badat and Shalobadat. If I go to one of the six ir- Ari-Miklat, I can go there any time. If I accidentally kill you, I'm nervous, I just run out. I don't have to talk to anybody, I don't have to ask anybody. To go to one of the cities of the Levites, I have to do a padat. I have to get their permission to enter the city. I have to they have to allow me in. That's an interesting discussion, what that is and why that is, but okay. So that's an ear miklat. There were three there were actually six Ari Miklat defined in the Torah as Ari Miklat. As cities of refuge. Three were on this side of the Jordan, and three were on that side of Jordan. Now it gets interesting. So there's three here, and there are three there. Why does the Pasuk and Shoftian? This is in Perak. Yud-Ted Pasuk Bet, 19.2. Why does the Pasuk and Shoftim say, Shalosh Arim Tavdillah? Set aside three cities of refuge when we know there are six. Anyone want to take a guess? Because Moshe already separated the other three, and that's what Shana Bet is, right? Moshe already separated set of three. The other three, he did that in Parshat Mase. And in fact, if you open up your handy-dandy Bamidbar, right? So in Bamidbar, indeed... Um End of Safer That's in Three cities of refuge on this side, three cities of refuge on that side, side. So how come in Shoftim it only mentions three? Because most set up three. That's a whole discussion. Most is excited as a bit so can do fine. Let me ask you an interesting question. How many tribes were there? Let's make this easy. How many tri- later on, when the kingdom split into two kingdoms, okay? How many tribes were in the north? Anybody remember? Ten. 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 Excellent. And they eventually became exiled a hundred years before the other ones, and they're called the Ten Lost Tribes. So, how many tribes are there in the south? And that's what everybody will say. And they will be wrong. By the way, this is a fun question to ask the rabbi. If there were ten tribes in the north. How many in the south? I'll always say two. will Always be wrong. Why? Because everybody forgets that Yosef has two sons, Manash and Ephraim. They're 12 sons of Yaakov. But the two sons of Yosef are both tribes. There are actually 13 tribes. Levi is a little different from the other tribes. The southern kingdom of Yehuda was Yehuda, Benjamin, and Levi. So there are actually 13 tribes. Okay. So if there are 13 tribes, how many tribes were on the uh, eastern bank of the Jordan River? It's called Averi Yadin. Two, two and a half. That is absolutely correct. Well done. So that means how many are there on this side? Simple math. Two and a half out of 13? Ten and a half. Three cities of refuge for two and a half tribes. And three cities of refuge for ten and a half tribes? God seems to have his math wrong. Why would you do that? Pardon? Difference There must be a difference. But what's the difference? So listen to this. This is Rashi. Rashi explains the difference. It's actually, again, a Gemara in Makot. Right? All of the issues of Irimiklat, most of them are in Mako. There's some in Sanhedrin, in Shkolin, but whatever. Um, many of you, if you get into it, well, actually, uh, there are a bunch of shirin that decide to pound Mako. That's a pun. Um, that Gemara in, it's about, you know, whatever, 20, 30 blot. And they get through all of Masech Mako, Pekias, by going through Gemara and Rashi um, in Summerzman, And it's, it's awesome. And there's like this massive seal. So you'll learn the halakos of Ari Miklod, um right around before you start reading Parashar Masay. But Rashi says, um, Rashi quotes the Gemara and Makkot, Even though in Israel there were nine, and here there are two and a half. So I'm wrong, right? Because I said there are ten and a half, and he's saying there are nine and a half. Why are we both right? <speaking in Hebrew> because Levi is a tribe, but Levi doesn't need an ear mikla. Why doesn't Levi need an near mikla?
1: Because yeah, the cities of the Levites
0: are here in Mekla. You just stay at home. It's an interesting question. What happens if you're a Levite and you so The Gemara talks about that. We're not going to get crazy because you want to go. But okay. So Rashi says, What's Tutzach? Was Tutzach? Right? Mishumtuch de Begilad. Eretz Gilad is the land of the Jordan, the land of Moab. It's the other side of the Jordan River. De Begilad nefishe rotzchim. There were many murderers, it was a violent place. It wasn't as protected as Israel. It was tougher. You were near the Moabites, you were near the Edomites. People did things, you got affected over there. And because there were many murderers, people did things, You you need Ari Miklat. Now this is interesting. Ari Miklat, even though a person who's a murderer can go there until the Bezdin rules for him, right? But really it's for accidental murderers. So what is the fact that there are murderers there have to do with Ari Miklat? So, one possible answer is what I mentioned before. Because you need enough room for actual murderers to go there until they're ruled down by best. And That's a difficult shot, but it's possible. Otherwise, we have to come up with a better answer. So, what is that all about? And how is that working? Right? Now it gets really interesting. Okay? So, the Rambam in the Sefer and Now, I'll be honest with you. I always thought this was in the Sifri. And I went to look it up to be able to quote it to you. from The Sifri the Sifri is one of the safer of midrash halacha in the period of Tanaim. It's the equivalent, halachically speaking, to the Mishnah almost or certainly to a Baraita. Um I thought this was in the Sifri. I looked it up in the Sifri and I couldn't find it. But I knew that I thought it was in the Sifri, and then I found it in the Rambam in the Sefer Mitzvot. But he quotes it right after the Sifri, so I'm not sure if the Rambam is quoting the Sifri or is it just the Rambam. So I meant to look that up. I haven't had a chance, but maybe on Shabbos we can take a look. But let me tell you what the Rambam says in the Sefer mitzvot he says, si Sifri, in the language of the Sifri. free. This is a law that you have in ear miklat, a city of refuge. In all of your dwelling places, you have to have cities of refuge. So dinin, the bate mishpat. That you have in Israel and overseas. But are Miklat, you only have in Israel. So that's the question. Mm-hmm. If I have Bat-Tedinim in Teaneck, New Jersey, and somebody accidentally kills someone in Teaneck, New Jersey, wouldn't it make sense that we should have arimiklat Miklat in Chathart? Like a person should have a safe place to go if he kills someone by accident. Let me ask you a question. What do you think this halacha is about? You know, one of the things I love about this place is once you get the halacha down and you understand what the halacha is, you got to say what it means. What's the message of this halacha? Why would we take all this effort to set up Ari Miklat? What do you think? Um, I think we don't want the people, let's say you have a relative that gets killed. I think a person can act very irrationally and get very angry, and I think we're almost protecting them from making a mistakes. They don't okay. Isaac Kushner? Yeah. Oh, I got it. Okay. One out of 70. All right. Um, so Isaac, I think, gets it right. The Sefer Chinuch says what you say, right? The Sefer Chinuch was a late Rishon. We don't know who he was. Some say the Tumas Adeshen. But, um, but the Sefer Chinuch says on this Mitzvah, we'll talk about that Sefer when, when you have more time. But um, the Sefer Chinuch says, in fact, that there are a number of ethical messages here and that actually you're protecting a person. A person could, you know, see somebody accidentally killing someone and go kill him so the fact the guy can run away is going to protect the accidental killer right, makes sense there's a problem with this what if there is no go el adam? what if you accidentally kill somebody and he's got no living relatives it could happen what if you kill a convert, he's got no relatives right, no Jewish relatives right, nobody's allowed to come and kill you the law protects you so you shouldn't have to go to New Miklan but in fact you have to go to New Mickland anyway so what's Aniyah Miklat about? Right? So, there are a number of questions here. Right? First of all, why are courts in Chutzlaretz, but not Ari Miklat? Not cities so it is a refuge. Second of all, why did the Ari Miklat, we didn't get to this, but I'll just mention it. Um, the three R a Miklat that were set up by Moshe did not actually start to work according to the Gemara until the three Ari Miklat that were set up in Israel which is kind of funny. What if somebody accidentally kills someone before they set up the Ari Miklat in Israel, which was after 14 years of conquest and settling on under okay? And third of all, why do you have three Ari Miklat for two and a half tribes? What does it have to do with murder, etc.? Right? Okay. And, um, and what if there's no Gol Adam and, 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 and yet you still have to go to an Ari Miklat? So I going to share with you a quick idea. What do we have to do now? I don't understand why you need a city of refuge in Israel, but not in the states. We don't understand what the difference is between Batei Dinim, right? So why don't you need the Eir Miklat and What do we have to do? So I want to tell you one of the most important rules in learning Torah, and certainly something that I hope you're going to get this year in writer. and that is the need always to define your terms. We have to, we have to, we have to answer two questions. If we want to understand why there are no cities of refuge, why there are no Miklat in Chutzlar, it's overseas. We have to understand what a nir mikla is. What exactly is an nir mikla? What's the purpose of a nir mikla? And maybe we also have to define what is, what's the difference between chutzlaret and Israel? Right? So I want to share with you an interesting idea about nir mikla. And again, this is a longer discussion, right? Which we won't have now. Um, but I'll tell you something interesting. First of all, I'm going to leave you a question. You can look up over Shabbos. It's very interesting. So it's true that the Parshat Shoftim but we talk about the, you know, these three cities of refuge. How many times does the word miklat appear in Parashat Shofti? Anybody know? Any here? The answer is nada. It doesn't call them are miklat. It says shalosh arim tavdilach. I noticed this. I'm like, oh well, this is really interesting. They're not mentioned here. In fact, they're not mentioned in Shemot. You know the only place that talks about are miklat is in Parashat masseh when Moshe Rabbeinu sets them up, they're called Ari Miklat. That's an interesting question, which I don't have time to answer right now. Think about it. See if you can come up with a theory. Come over to the basement after lunch tomorrow. Okay. All right. But let me share with you something else. What is the word Miklat? Now, one of the problems here is that the only place we find the concept of Miklat in the Chumash is by Ari Miklat. So normally, the way you define something is you see different places it appears, and you can figure out what it's talking about. But if it only appears in one place, it's very hard to understand what it is. It's like Sarela Azazel, which only appears one place in the entire Torah. How do you figure out where Azazel is? Right? So some people say, well, let's look at what the rabbinic concept of an ear miklat First of all, we have a modern concept of an ear miklat For example, I daven every Friday night and very often during the week in a Miklat. What is a Miklat? It's a bomb shelter. It's a shelter that kind of fits for refuge. Right? But it's interesting. There's another word, right, okay? There's a, a, a major base in Tel Aviv, near Tel Aviv. It's called Bakum, Basis Klita Umiyun. That's the place every Israeli soldier starts and every Israeli finishes. You're first day of the army, you're at Baku. You get your uniform, you get your injections. It's a horrible day. And the last day of your army, you go up there to show up and give back some of your gear and they, they cut your papers and give you a reserve paper. And that's an awesome day, right? Two very different days in the same place. That's a whole interesting thing. We're going to do the same thing in a raita. We're, We're going to go back to knock like you would seem. Pretty much almost the last day of the year. Very different, you'll see. Right? You'll be different. But okay, so what does it mean there? That's where you collect people. That's where you collect people. What's the difference? Okay, maybe. right? But there is one other place that the concept of kalat, the root of miklat, Kuf Lametet appears. And I have to admit, I didn't. I, I should have looked up in the Concordancia, found this and started to think about it. I didn't. I found an article by Rav Samet, Rav Alhanan Samet, who was a genius Torah scholar. He used to live in al uh, Wrote some magnificent for him. I don't think they're translated into English. Um, I could be wrong. You can find the occasional article online. And he makes an interesting point. And I'll share this with you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish up. He says, very interesting. He says, Where do I find the concept of miklat? Sefer VaYikra. Where do I find miklat? We're talking about a coin who has a mum, a blemish, or an animal that has a blemish. For example, if I have a if I have a a calf and I want to offer it up as a korban, but its leg gets cut cut off, right? So it's not treif. It's not going to die from its leg being cut off. You can still shecht it and, and eat it, right? But you can't offer it up as a korban. Okay? Same thing with a coin. If a coin's thumb gets chopped off, he can no longer serve in the base of Mikdash. Okay? So there's a whole list in Pashas Emor of all the different blemishes that appear for a coin. You with me? Oops. Thank you. Right? Of blemishes that appear for a coin. And it says here in Pesach of Gimel, a shor vases a shor, an ox, a bullock, or a, or a, or a lamb that's, that, that is either sarua or kalut. Now, kalut kuf lam seems to be the same root as miklat. In fact, the Ibn Ezra says, right, kalut um, hafchor gizrat ir miklat. The Ibn Ezra specifically says this is the same root as ir miklat. So what is kalut? So sarua means like elongating. Like if a coin has like one arm that's way longer than the other, it looks a little weird. So that's considered a blemish. And he doesn't do voda because how you look is important and it creates an image and that's a whole discussion why a koin with a mum doesn't serve. Uh, it actually relates to our haircut discussion. We can talk about it over Shabbos if you're interested, right? Um, so the Ibn Ezra says, what's kalut is like a person whose limb is too long. So what's, sorry, Saruah, So what's kalut? So the Ibn Ezra says, right? Hafcho, it's the opposite of Sarut. So what's the opposite of Sarut? The Sarut is living too long. It's a limb that's too short. It's a limb that's contracted. And you can see sometimes a person has a certain deformity. It goes without saying, you don't judge a, person, a person's character. The inside isn't different. But because of, you know, that's the person you're, you're careful not to offend him by looking at him. It's funny, he's got like a smaller arm or whatever it might be. Right? That's called a kalut. So now that's interesting. What does your mikla have to do with an arm that's smaller, arm that's contracted? Right? So, one way of understanding this is that an arm that's contracted, right? Or that's smaller, right? Um, when a person is forced to live in an ear miklat, he's living in a contracted space. He's forced to live. He can't go out to where he normally goes out. In fact, the Mishnah in Makot, right? Yeah, yeah. sorry. in one of those days. The Mishnah in Makot... Oh, right. mm-hmm. oh here it is. The Mishnah in Makot says, right? The no Yotzeh. Let's say you go to Near Mikla. Let's say, God forbid, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein is working on his ladder and he trips and the ladder, like when he put it up, he didn't like steady it and it falls over and it kills somebody, God forbid. Okay? He has to go to Near Mikla. So let's say a week later, you know... Um, they ask him to come to do a wedding. He allowed to leave the Yerimikla to do a wedding. Want to take a guess? No. Listen to this Mishnah. This is a Mishnah in the second parak of Mako. If he has to testify in a case, if he can testify, right, that will cause a murderer to be put to death, it's a Mitzvah to testify and stop a serial murderer, he's not allowed to leave the Yerimikla. If he can testify and save your fortune, can't give. If he's a Cohen and they want him to do a pigeon event, can't do it. Even if the Jewish people need him. So there's a big debate, there's a whole discussion about what that means. He is in the air, he can no longer, he's now in his own world. Sounds a lot like you can't leave. You can't leave for your father's funeral. You can't leave for your mother's wedding. You can't leave. What does that sound like? You're in prison. He's put in prison. This is really interesting. But he's an accidental killer. So if he's an accidental killer, why is he put in prison? Right? So one last Pasuk, which I think will open this up. And this will end. If I can just find it. I apologize. Yeah. One second. The pasuk of says the following. The pasuk says, This is at the end of the whole story of Ari Miklach. You can't take ransom for a murderer. He's a rasha. He's meant to die. What does that mean? What do you really think that means? You're not allowed to take ransom for a murderer. If somebody says, I'll pay you, I'll give you a million dollars, you can build a hospital, don't put me to death, I know I'm a murderer, you let I do it? You could save a thousand orphans in Rwanda, but the murderer has to go free, would you do it? So the Pusuk says, no, a murderer has to be put to death, not let I ransom him off. And then the pasuk says, but why? Because he needs to be punished, right? Next Pusuk. Not somewhere off. The Torah wants us to notice this. And the person who has to run to seek refuge in the Irimiklat, not only they ransom from him either. So that he can go live in Tel Aviv. He has to stay in the Irimiklat until the Kohen dies. He can't pay his way out of Irimiklat because he has to be. It's parallel. So, we always thought... And the psukim seem to imply that an ir miklat is to protect the accidental murderer, so that the goal adam can't get it. Maybe it's to protect the goal adam, the person who, the blood relative, so he doesn't do something stupid. And that's true, it's in the psukim. But it's also to punish him, it's also to create a prison. He needs to be, even if there's no goal adam, no relative that might harm him, he still has to go to near miklat. He goes to the Yermiklan until the Kohen Gadol dies, even if the Goel Hadam dies first. So clearly there's something going on here. So the Sefer HaChinuch says, and with this I want to complete this idea. There's really a chicken and egg thing here going on. On the one hand, because the Goel Hadam can kill the accidental murderer, if he leaves the Yermiklan, he has to stay in the Yermiklan. So because we allow the Goeladan to kill him if he's out of a city of refuge, the city of refuge becomes his prison. So is the city of refuge his prison because the guy can kill him? Or do we allow the guy to kill him so that the city of refuge will become his prison? It's really both. They're two separate ideas, but they're both intertwined. What really is the ir-miklat all about? It's an interesting question. When you send someone to an ir-miklat, are you sending him to refuge, or is he being exiled? What's the Pasuk, what's, what's the name of the parak in Makot that talks about Nehemiah? Anybody know it's the second parak of Matot? Elohein? Elohein agolim. These are they that are exiled. We're exiling him. Why are we exiling him? Why is he forced to live in Nehemiah? It's a fascinating idea. Because even though you didn't purposely kill someone, if you could be the vehicle whereby someone gets killed, then you've done, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's like if you walk into the room and you accidentally turn the light on on Shabbos. Are you chayav of Mita? No. But you have to bring button. Why do you bring karban? Why do you have to bring a sacrifice? It's an accident. Because the chafetz chayim wouldn't accidentally turn the light on on Shabbos we bear responsibility, if we've allowed ourselves to be in a situation where someone could die at our hand, then something needs to be fixed, we need to take a pause. It's interesting, Rav Neven Salaam why do we wait till the Cohen girdle dies? Can you imagine how uncomfortable that is? All these people only get free when I die, they're all doubting for me to die. So the mother of the Kohen Gadol, according to the Gemara, according to the Medrash, would come to the Ari Mikla and bring them food so they'd love him and love them or whatever and wouldn't pray for him to die. That's a whole interesting discussion. So if Nevinson says, what did the Kohen Gadol do wrong? Kohen Gadol is is the spiritual leader of the generation. And if in that generation somebody could even accidentally kill someone, then that's on his watch and he bears a certain responsibility. We bear responsibility for what happens on our watch. And, and we need to fix ourselves If something's wrong How do we fix ourselves? We change our environment We put ourselves into a Makom Miklat We take ourselves out of the environment That causes us such challenge Because the environment changes who we are You know why there's no Ari Miklat in Chushlaretz? Because in order to achieve The refinement The growth The spiritual fine-tuning right? Where do we put a, a Miklat? Only in a city of Levites because the Levites who served in the base of Mictus Levim, they had a certain atmosphere. You know? You go to uh Matusdorf, Fenei Braque. It's a different energy. It's not like living in uh, Haifa. It's a different energy to a place like that. And the energy in Chutzlitz, and I want you to know, I can say this, I'm not sure I can fully explain it, but you're beginning to sense it. If you go to Brooklyn and you go to I don't know, Mug and David or Bet Yaakov, right? You'll find a minion of Slichot. Tonight, midnight. You'll wake up early in the morning. You'll hear them saying Slichot. As far say Slichot and hello, we're behind the times, Ashkenazim. But I promise you, you've been to Slichot. You've been to it's powerful, right? Okay. It's nothing compared to here. And I can't explain why. There's Jews that saying the same prayers, they singing the same songs, they're wearing the same Sephardi yarmulkes, it's all good, right? But there's something different. And if you haven't experienced it, I urge you, walk outside, follow them to the kotel one night, hear the Slichot. I was here one year, I was walking out, it was a Thursday night, it was like 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, and uh, you know, we finally finished the Chilent and the Q&A. Um, I, I, I keep it going until the last man drops, more or less, and um, I'm walking out, and there's tens of thousands of Jews that are pouring into the old city. And they're all buzzing. And I knew there was something there. I couldn't put my finger on it. So I asked somebody, like, who's coming? Why is everybody coming? And they said, Arav, Arav Who was the Ravagon who was coming? One to take guess? One guess? Yes. Avivad Yosef. So, Yosef is coming to the hotel. 100,000 Jews are going to say Selichot. I'm not going to remember where they got an extra hour. So I turned around and I went. I don't know all their ni'hunim. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. You cannot be in a place like this and not have it affect you. That's what's going on here. We're starting a year. Why do you need to do this New July? Why don't we have the T-neck based medrash? Look around the room, there's 80 plane tickets here. There's 80 tuitions that help pay for dorm rooms. You got great dorm rooms. They're in Florida, they're in Brooklyn, they're in Denver, they're in Atlanta, they're in Memphis, all over the place. Get a few guys together, learn Torah. You could physically do that. Not the same. So you have to have a court. But if somebody needs to go to an ear miklat, if he needs, if something's off and he needs to fix it, that has to happen in Israel. That's the short version. We will expand upon this. We have lots of time over Shabbat to talk about many divrei Torah. We'll get more into this. I want to tell you: take advantage of this place. Soak up a year in Israel imbibe in the energy of Yerushalayim love it live it, feel it, learn it. Have, it have it impact you, I can't tell you how I don't have some agenda for what it's going to do for you but nobody leaves a year in Israel the same person and this place that has nothing to do with what's sitting on your head or what your shirt looks like, it has to do with what deep in your if so I give you a bracha this is our first Thursday night, I give you a bracha this should be the most amazing year You should grow in ways you never anticipated, right? And Bezrat Hashem, a little bit of food for thought on Parashat Shofti.